1: grace and peace to you and welcome to Reaching for Real Life with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. A church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. That's what Jesus promised in John 10.10. 10. And today we begin a new series called The Elephant in the Family Room. And if you're like most families and you all get together, there's issues and topics that maybe shouldn't be brought up. But here's the deal. Let's deal with those past hurts in light of God's present power. Reallife.org has this full message, sermon notes, and series available for free. If you feel led to bless this listener-supported radio ministry, then please do. There's a place to give at reallife.org. It's part two of the first message in this series, It's the Big Elephant. Pastor Sean is teaching from Genesis 45 and the story of Joseph. It's time for Reaching for Real Life Radio.
2: The family hurts impact how... Someone interacts at work. You see it with a boss, with coworkers, relationships. At church. You, you want to know one of the things that we see a lot at church? What I've experienced quite a bit as a senior pastor. Okay? You're talking to someone about something and, you know, it's actually can be very, you know, basic. The scheduling of a ministry event or something. And all of a sudden, things start to get emotional and the person starts to get... And, and then you see them kind of speaking and you realize... I don't think they're talking to me anymore. And you look behind you to see if there's like someone else there. And all of a sudden it dawns on you, oh, because I am a male leader in a community, I've just become dad. And this emotion, this anger, this stuff that's coming out, it's not about the ministry event we're talking about scheduling or not scheduling. Oh, this is about dad. And I've stepped into the role. I think a boss can experience it. Maybe some of you as employers, you've experienced like, it's like there's a lot of emotion here that really, I mean, all we're talking about is an agenda for a team meeting next week. And all this emotion is like, whoa. I mean, there's mom issues. Maybe some of you female employers, team leaders, managers. You've experienced it. And it's like you realize, oh, they're not talking to me anymore. They kind of are, but I've simply stepped in for mom, and they're now taking care of that controlling mom and they're giving me what for intended for her whatever those hurts we carry them with us that's what's dangerous they affect our friendships how about dating relationships you single folks you dated someone We've all dated every great person, but all of a sudden something comes up and they just react this so bizarre. And you're like, wow, it seems so out of character with who they are and who I thought them to be. And it turns out they're reacting and responding to some hurts and they brought it into this relationship. Family relationships, your current family, your spouse, your kids, how you respond to your parents, your siblings. They can all be adapted, changed, I, I dare say warped by hurts that we bring from our family of origin. A couple things that Joseph did because he remembered who was in control and who isn't, and and it really changed everything. And I hope there's some life and some, some healing in some of what we see in him for some who are hurting here this morning. Number one, Joseph knew how to deal with his pain. Joseph knew how to deal with his pain. You see, Joseph's emotional outburst reveals he was carrying real hurt, real pain. He wasn't in denial. Joseph wasn't some emotional rock who pretended, just pushed it down, kind of made the best of it, stiff upper lip. He didn't just power through. Joseph was really hurting, and when he saw his brothers, all that came up, and all that came out, and it was significant. People heard it all over palace. Word ultimately made it up to Pharaoh and his household. Yeah, Joseph melted down. Dude. I mean, this guy's always upbeat. He's in control. He's doing this great job. Whoa, he snapped. See, he was carrying real hurt, real pain. I think what's interesting is he didn't deny it. He didn't deny his pain. And sometimes we pretend, oh, no, I'm fine. Yeah, it didn't bother me. I don't care about them. I'm fine. Yeah, Joseph didn't do that. He didn't deny his pain. He didn't deny that a wrong had been committed. You remember verse 4? When he said, I'm your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. He didn't pretend that sin hadn't happened against him. He didn't deny it. He didn't hide it. He didn't just see his brother and go, hey, guys, cool, awesome. I've done pretty good. Oh, hey, how you been? No, he dealt with the elephant in the room. I'm the one you sold into Egypt, and it hurt. The Apostle Paul, remember we looked at this passage actually a few weeks ago when he wrote to Timothy, 2 Timothy 4, beginning of verse 14, we read, Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm, he tells Timothy. May the Lord repay him according to his works, he says. And we find out why he's saying that. You also must beware of him, for he's greatly resisted our words. It's interesting, Paul names names. He's honest about this. He's not denying the hurt and the danger. He's fairly candid. But you'll see how he deals with it. He then goes on to say, At my first offense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. He's on, it hurt. I was alone. And look what he says here, though. May it not be charged against them. How can he say that? See, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that the message might be preached fully through me and that all the Gentiles might hear. Also, I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. And the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. See, neither of them denied the hurt, but they both revealed they understand who's really in control. So he contextualized the hurt. They brought that hurt to the Lord and they looked at that hurt and they experienced that hurt in light of the fact that, wait a minute, God is the one who's in control. God is the one who orders my life and my steps. God is present. Look how David in Psalm chapter 3 says, Lord, how, have, how they have increased who trouble me. Many are they who rise up against me. Many are they who say of me, there is no help for him in God. And if you stop there, it's like, wow, that's pretty bleak, man. He's not denying anything. But look, see, that's all true, but look what else is true. But you, O Lord, are a shield for me. You're my glory and the one who lifts up my head. See, none of them denied their pain, but instead they brought it before the Lord and they processed the pain in light of God's presence, His goodness, and His glory. See, they didn't deny their pain. But the second reality that we see is he also didn't allow himself to be defined by it. He didn't deny his pain, but he also didn't let his life be defined by his pain. I want to suggest some people fall in love with their pain. They fall in love with their hurt. And really, they make it their identity. And it's like they wear it, like, like like a beloved outfit. And it becomes the trump card. And it's all, always, doesn't matter, it becomes the trump card. It's like, it's like well, I, I can't do that because I've been hurt. And here's the trump card. Well, you, you know, I, I respond this way, I stiff arm this way because I've been hurt. And they keep pulling out the trump card of their hurts. Well, you don't know what I've gone through. You don't know what I've experienced. Let me be clear, everybody has been hurt. I mean, and, and, you know, I'm not saying everybody has been hurt equally. There are some families that are just great families. And from the outside, people look at them and go, they're just perfect. Let me assure you, they are not. Because no people are perfect. Even people who have had great parents. It's not that it's Those parents may have inadvertently hurt them. It's like, it wasn't intentional. I didn't intend to, or, or I didn't mean to. I was trying to do what was best, but there's hurts. And it's just people living together. So everybody's experienced hurt. And then there are, of course, other families where it was much deeper, like Joseph's or somewhere in between. And you see, there are those folks who just are so in love with their hurt. They They don't know who they are without it. I'm not sure who I am without my pain. It's like, I know you were hurt. But you're a follower of Jesus Christ and he wants to heal your hurt. And... You can even look and see he's brought you to a good place. He loves you. He's present. Your hurt is real, but it's not all that's real. Don't let your hurt define you. Don't let it be your identity. Don't wear it around like a cloak. Let it go. Bring it to Jesus. Give it to him and live the life he's created you for. Cuz what happens is you keep letting that hurt define you, it you're you're literally putting it in control. It's like, it's not in control, but it is because it's controlling you, so you let it be in control. Whereas what Joseph would say is, wait a minute, wait a minute, God's in control, never forget it. See, Joseph knew how to deal with this pain. Second thing, Joseph displayed total forgiveness toward his brothers. And it really is. The type of forgiveness he does after what he's been through is really crazy, when you think about it first thing I noticed, verse 4 and 5, it says, the first thing that stood out to me is he says, come close to me. After he just breaks down emotionally, he says, come close to me. And sometimes we want to, we're we're like willing to consider forgiveness, but yeah, I stay over there. Yeah, I'll forgive you, but I don't want to like talk to you. I'll forgive you through a tweet so that you and everyone around us knows you're forgiven. But I don't want to actually talk to you. No, no, I forgave them, but I don't want to in any way engage with them at all, ever. Joseph didn't do that. He said, Come close to me. And if there was ever a group of guys who he had a right to keep at a distance, it was these guys. But he didn't. He said, Come close to me. He completely forgave their debt.
1: And this is when we take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Reaching for Real Life with Sean Azaro, a listener-supported ministry of River City Community Church, in this message called The Big Elephant which is available right now on the sermon page at reallife.org and while you're there if you've been blessed by this teaching your gift of any amount helps this radio ministry continue to help others just find the gift tab at reallife.org and Pastor Sean Azaro now an author invites you to check out his brand new book This is Reaching for Real Life Radio.
2: See, that's what forgiveness is about. That's what unforgiveness is about. It's about a debt, isn't it? Unforgiveness is someone owes me a debt, and I hang on to that debt. And until they pay every penny, I'm going to hang on to that debt. That's the essence of unforgiveness. Forgiveness is releasing that debt. And we see Joseph completely released it. Look what Jesus said, Matthew 6, 14, 15. He says, if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Remember, this is kind of a, a, he's commenting on, a bit of a commentary on the Sermon on the Mount, on the Lord's Prayer, where he said, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And then he goes on and explains, see, if you forgive other people, when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. And he then says this, but if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Here's the problem. You're like, "Wow, that seems a lot like that seems like works." So our forgiveness is conditional on us doing good. And I thought we were saved by grace. I don't I don't get that. What's what's that all about? What that's about is 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 not works at all. What that's about is whether we forgive or not is a total glimpse into our heart. See, whether we forgive or don't forgive is a glimpse into what's in our heart. And remember there is one condition. God's love is unconditional. His grace is unconditional. There's one condition to forgiveness. Remember what it is? It's repentance. And here's why it's a condition. Because if I don't even think I need to be forgiven, if I'm unrepentant, I don't think I need to be, why would I ever ask? Why would I ever receive forgiveness? I'm not even involved in the, the thing. The condition for forgiveness, biblically, is repentance. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And what an unforgiveness towards someone else reveals is an unrepentant heart in me. Because here's the idea. How can I possibly be a person who says, God, I know I've sinned against you. God, I've sinned against so many people. Please forgive me of my sin. God, I want your grace. I want your mercy. And then receive that grace and mercy. God, thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for grace and mercy. And then go to that person and go, yeah, but not you. <laughs> not you. No, 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 no. Jesus' memory told the story about that. The guy who'd been forgiven an entire fortune and over a few thousand bucks, he wants to throw the guy in jail. He's like, yeah, the problem is that reveals in me a heart that isn't open to forgiveness. Because anytime I'm I'm refusing to forgive someone else, I'm kind of suggesting that I don't think I need forgiveness. Like, I'm up here, and they're down here. And that's a problem that gets in the way of me receiving forgiveness. Paul said it in Ephesians 4, 32. He said, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. That's the connection. When I am forgiven, I want to forgive. When I've been set free, I want to set others free. He completely forgave the debt. And what's fascinating is he released them from the guilt. He released them from the guilt. Remember in verse 5, he said, I'm your brother, the one you sold into Egypt, and said, and now... Do not be distressed. Do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here, because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. He completely left them off the let them off the hook, and I'm like, well, yeah, I'm willing to forgive them because I guess I should because I don't want to go to hell because I want God to forgive me, so I better forgive them, yeah. But but I'm I'm not letting them off the hook. Okay, I, I I want them to feel guilty. I want them to remember what they did, and I want them to owe me. Joseph had none of that. Do not be distressed. Do not be angry with yourselves because God was doing something. That's powerful. And understand, that's not denying that what was done was wrong. Because he said, you're the ones who sold me into Egypt. You sinned against me. That's not, he didn't deny that it was wrong, that it was sin. What he's saying is, God in his judgment and his wisdom and mercy used your screw up, your sin, to position me for the purpose and the plan that he had for me. That's powerful. And what's interesting, not only did he release them from their guilt, when sometimes we want to hang on and cause let people suffer, he restored relationship with them completely when they were ready. And this is a really interesting point. He restored relationship, and they did. They ended up coming to live. They end up, you know, they, they interacted as his family. The family was totally restored. But it had to be when they were ready. And Here's how you know that. Um, this forgiveness in Joseph happened a long time before the encounter with the brothers. He didn't just forgive them on the spot. He had forgiven them long ago. You know how I know? Because Egypt and Canaan are not very far apart. It was not too far. The minute... He became prime minister of Egypt. Pharaoh gave him a signet ring, made him second in command in all of Egypt. Joseph could have very easily said, Pharaoh, thank you. I will take care of it. I'm your man. There's one little thing i got to take care of first. And he had just about 100 soldiers. That should probably cover it. i got a little business to take care of. A little score to settle. He could have very easily gone and exacted revenge on his brothers. But I want to suggest, even before that point, he had forgiven them. His behavior when he was in slavery was the behavior of a person who was free because he had forgiven. And he saw God at work, and he was going to trust God. His behavior when he was in prison, and he became the most trusted prisoner, and the the prison master put him over all the other prisoners. And he helped other prisoners while he was there. His behavior was the behavior of someone who wasn't a victim. He wasn't walking around with a victim mentality. He saw who was really in control and who wasn't. That forgiveness came long before those brothers ever showed up. The difference is when the brothers showed up and through the situation God had had given Joseph wisdom to put them through, he saw that they were here and now they're ready. See, sometimes there's someone we have to forgive and you need to understand forgiveness is a one-sided equation i don't need their participation for me to forgive them i can before god just say lord i want to set them free and i want to forgive them remember forgiveness is about receiving uh, about about releasing a debt you remember i told you how god really worked in my heart in the area of forgiveness through the book of philemon paul wrote this letter to philemon he had a christian slave named onesimus who was a christian and he was a christian and the social order was what it was But Onesimus had run away. And somehow, we don't know what the offense was. I don't know if he'd stolen from Philemon, whatever it was. Philemon had an offense against Onesimus. Paul sends Onesimus back. And he writes this letter, and in the letter he says, I want you to receive him back as a brother. Whatever you think he owes you, put it on my account. Put it on my account. That's what Paul writing to Philemon. And I will repay it. And I remember when... God was dealing in my heart. I had some unforgiveness towards my own father, and I remember when I was reading that, and God said, "I want you to do that with your dad. Whatever you think he owes you, I want you to put it on my account." Now, first response is, "God, you don't have an account with me. I owe you, right?" I mean, really, I knew the Lord was talking to me, and it broke my heart. God, I don't have any account with with you, and 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 I felt like He nudged me and said, "No, I'm serious." See, because you right now are holding a debt that you think your dad owed you. He should have treated you like this. He should have been this kind of person. He should have loved you this way. And, and you might be right. But what he was saying is, I want you to release the debt. I want He didn't know you that anymore. And I want you to put on my account, he says, because I'm going to repay that debt better than he ever could. I'm going to love you. I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to give you opportunity. I'm going to do all the things you thought a dad should do. I can do better because I'm God. And I want you just to release him just to be a sinner who needs a savior just like you are. That's very powerful. And I won't say, I'm not going to in any way say everything got perfect. It didn't. But something changed in my heart and things got radically different pretty quickly. And it really did open the door for us to renew relationship and restore relationship. Because it's that debt. And, and I want to say, you can forgive that debt just between you and God. God. And then they don't know it anymore. God, I trust you. It's a faith step. I trust you to to take care of whatever I need. Whatever you think you lost, whatever you think that person owes you. I think the Lord would say, Trust me, I'll meet your needs better than they ever could. Restoration, now, that's a two-sided equation. You know, we talk about the difference between forgiving someone is one thing, trusting them again in relationship is another. <clears throat> Things have to happen restoring a relationship they have to be willing you know they won't take your calls they won't you know respond they won't well you can't really restore a relationship that doesn't mean you can't forgive and totally release and release the debt and trust that the lord is the one but then maybe when they're ready just like joseph you can now restore relationship never forget who's in control and who isn't last thing i'll wrap with this Joseph fully trusted God's plan, his power, and his presence. He fully trusted. All along the way, God's plan, his power, and his presence. Remember what he said, verses 5 through 8. Do not be distressed. Do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there's been famine in the land. For the next five, there will be no plowing or reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household and ruler of all Egypt. Everywhere Joseph looked, he saw the plan, the power, and the presence of God. And he trusted that. See, what I want to say to you this morning is God can. God will. And he's with you. God can. God will, and he is with you. Do you believe that? Because that changes everything. Joseph put his life in God's hands, even the garbage and the crap and all the junk, the hurt, he put it all in God's hands, and God took it and made something beautiful. Made something beautiful. Are you willing to let God do that for you? And so said, yeah, but Joseph, it wasn't a parent who did that to him. It was his brothers. He, you don't know. Well, let me tell you what David, the man after God's own heart, what he wrote, Psalm twenty-seven ten. he said, though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. You know, it's a common thread in all of these. Doesn't matter what someone else does. Our God is good. He is present and he will receive you. He will love you. He can give you something beautiful. Never forget who's in control and who isn't. Do you need a new template for how you do family? How you do friendships or relationships in general? Good news is God wants to give you one. God wants to give you one. It starts by laying that past before him. It starts by dealing with the past in light of God's powerful Redeeming present. He can, he will, and he is with you. The question is, are you going to let him?
1: That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio. And if you'd like to hear this full message in the series The Elephant in the Family Room, it's available right now on demand at reallife.org And while you're there, we'd appreciate your feedback. You can leave us a note on our contact us page.